Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 137, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand be crippled. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. And do not give Jerusalem priority over whatever gives me the most joy. While the Jewish people were banished in exile away from the land of Israel, they longed for returning to Zion, to Jerusalem. It was in their prayers, on their hearts, and in their minds. But soon after they returned to the land to rebuild Jerusalem, they misplaced their spiritual priorities, much like we do today. That's why for the next two weeks, Chris will be teaching from the book of Haggai. And really, that's what Haggai is all about. God heard the cries of his people and returned them to Jerusalem to rebuild. The years of prayers to God were finally answered. But within only a few short years, those Jewish people who returned to the land became apathetic to the things of God and focused only on their own selfish gain. We're going to talk a bit about Haggai over the next two weeks, but first let me share with you some news. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke to Guatemalan President Jimmy Morales only days after Guatemala experienced a catastrophic volcanic eruption. Israel was extremely proactive in sending financial aid to Guatemala, along with a team from the Zaka Emergency Services who are busy providing aid and bringing basic necessities, including blankets, medicine, and first aid kits, along with water purification tablets. Well, here's my take. You know, volunteerism is at the heart of the Israeli culture. Each Israeli is mandated, they're mandated to volunteer for their country by serving in the military or or some other service after high school. The people of Israel not only volunteer to help one another, they also reach outside their borders to countries who are in great need, a lot like what's going on in Guatemala right now. Israel's goodwill to send help during times of disaster, even when it's their own enemies, reveals to the world their desire for peace, not just in their own region, but all around the world. The temple is such an important part of Israel's history. It was the place where God resided. It was the place where his glory dwelt. And, and even most important, it was the place where the people of Israel came to worship him. And that's why it was such a devastating moment in Israel's history when the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians. For the Israelites, they lost the place where they met God, where they interacted with God. But that didn't mean God was through with the temple or through with Jerusalem. After 70 years of captivity and exile in Babylon, the Persian king, Cyrus the Great, gave the Jewish people the permission to return to Judah to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And that's why for the next two weeks, we're going to focus on the minor prophet Haggai. Haggai was prophesying on behalf of the Lord for those Jewish people that had returned from exile. And he had some words from the Lord of rebuke and encouragement for his people. While Haggai was speaking to the Judites that had returned, his message was directed toward the leadership of the returnees. 
Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. Listen to this. On the first day of the sixth month of King Darius's second year, the Lord spoke this message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the high priest Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Two Jewish men who were extremely influential in leading the Jewish people back to the land to rebuild were Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the high priest. Now, Joshua was the first high priest of the Judites that had returned to Jerusalem from exile. Now, he was not a high priest that was just picked out of nowhere. You know, his father was Jehozadak. He was the high priest who was deported to Babylon from Jerusalem in 586. So Joshua falls within the priestly lineage to spiritually lead the returnees. So that's Joshua the high priest. And his name appears a few times in in, in Haggai. Also, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the grandson of one of the last kings of Judah, King Jehoiakim. So Zerubbabel falls in the lineage of King David. He's a great, great grandson of King David. But notice the title that's given to Zerubbabel is not king, it's governor. And that's important. You know, while Cyrus the Great gave the Jewish people the permission and the authority to go home to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the temple, he wasn't giving them autonomy. He he wasn't the one giving them the ability to go start a new state. He was just giving them the ability to go back and to rebuild. The, they, there was no autonomy there. They were still under the control of Persia. The community of the returnees of Judah were still under the leadership of Cyrus the Great. Now, Zerubbabel was ruler over them, but ultimately Zerubbabel would report to the kings of Persia. That's why he has the title governor. Now, when the people of Judah returned to rebuild, they built a new altar. So the moment they get back, uh, scholars believe there were about 50,000 who had returned to Jerusalem in the first wave. They, They rebuilt a new altar for instituting sacrifices to the Lord. They got busy right away. They were excited. And they started to lay the foundation for the temple. But then some opposition came in. Samaritan harassment came down to the Judites who were, re, who were rebuilding at the time. And eventually Persian pressure came along as well, and it halted the rebuilding effort. Haggai the prophet is speaking into a spiritual malaise that came over the returnees after they found some opposition to their rebuilding effort. That's what Haggai is speaking right into. The Jewish people who had returned from exile fell into some spiritual apathy. Listen to what the prophet Haggai says in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord who rules over all says this. These people have said, the time for rebuilding the Lord's temple has not yet come. So the Lord spoke through the prophet Haggai as follows. Is it right for you to live in richly paneled houses, while my temple is in ruins? Here then is what the Lord who rules over all says. Think carefully about what you are doing. The prophet Haggai uses this divine introduction phrase. I love it. The Lord who rules over all. And he uses that 14 times in only two chapters. In the midst of the Lord's rebuke, he encourages the returnees by reminding them, I'm the sovereign God. 
Whatever ails you, whatever weakness you're feeling, whatever fear you have, remember, I'm the sovereign God. I brought you here for a reason. I'm the one in control. I'm the one who rules over all. And the Lord opens with this because it was the Jewish returnees who were saying the time for rebuilding the Lord's temple has not yet come. That were the that was the Jewish people saying that. They were feeling pressure from many sides and thought, "You know what? The temple can wait." So instead they started investing in their own homes. Did you hear what the Lord said in Haggai 1 verse 4? Is it right for you to live rich in richly paneled houses while my temple is in ruins? You know, that word for richly paneled houses in the Hebrew is only ever associated in the Hebrew Bible with panels that were put on the temple and panels that were put on the royal palace. People, the the returnees weren't just building homes. They were making them extremely fancy homes. All the while, the temple sat in ruins. The Judite returnees became apathetic to God. They forgot about the God who directed Cyrus the Great to return them in the first place. They forgot all about the God who rules over all. Four times throughout the prophecy of Haggai, the Lord says to the returnees, think carefully about what you're doing. Almost a bit of a reminder to them that the reason they were exiled by Babylon to begin with was because their grandfathers forgot about the Lord. Think carefully about what you're doing. And Haggai is reminding Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the people not to fall into the same trap their grandfathers did. And and the returnees were already seeing the results of their apathetic heart toward the things of God. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 says this, you have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat but you're never filled. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. Those who earn wages end up with holes in their money bags. Look, God was letting them know, those returnees, he, he was letting them know their misplaced priorities was the cause for their misfortune. And folks, it's not just material issues. It's the emptiness that comes with misplacing your priorities. Listen, the returnees were constantly in a state of never being satisfied. Haggai says it. You're eating, but you're never full. You drink, but you're always thirsty. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. And whatever you're earning is lost because there's a hole in your money bag. What a depressing feeling for these Judites who must have never felt true satisfaction. But God knows what will satisfy his people. The only thing that will bring satisfaction to God's people is investing themselves and setting their minds on rebuilding the temple. It's fulfilling the priorities of God and not their personal priorities. Haggai writes in Haggai 1.7, Moreover, the Lord who rules over all says, Pay close attention to these things also. Go up to the hill country. Bring back timber to build the temple. Then I will be pleased and honored, says the Lord. You expected a large harvest, but instead there was little. When you brought it home, it disappeared right away. Why, asks the Lord who rules over all? Because my temple remains in ruins. Thanks to each of you favoring his own house. 
Moreover, I have called for a drought that will affect all the fields, the hill country, the grain, the new wine, the fresh olives, and everything that grows from the ground. It will also harm people, animals, and everything they produce. Folks, I encourage you to go back and read from Deuteronomy chapter 28 on the blessings and cursings of Israel in the land. Again, this is the way God warned Israel that he was that they were going down the wrong path. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God said he would shut off the water. No water, no food. All this to show Israel that they were going down the wrong spiritual path. But God in his mercy speaks through Haggai once again to those returnees to communicate the severity and the necessity to turn to the priorities of God, not their own priorities, but the priorities of God to rebuild the temple. Haggai chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Then Zerubbabel Uh, the son of Shiltiel, and the high priest Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, along with the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the Lord their God. They responded favorably to the message of the prophet Haggai, who spoke just as the Lord their God had instructed him. And the people began to respect the Lord. And then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's word to the people. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord energized and encouraged Zerubbabel and and encouraged Joshua and the whole remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the temple of their God, the Lord who rules over all. And, you know, I don't believe this was just a thing because God is saying, hey, look, you're working on your homes. Now work on my home. I can't believe that you would do that, that you would invest in your home. And I want you to work on my home. My home's better. See, you know, this wasn't an egotistical thing for God, that his house is a better house. See, what God, what you have to understand is that when you work on the temple of the Lord, you're actually blessing everybody. Do you remember what Jesus said about the temple? when he was angry with how the Pharisees and the Sadducees were using it. They were using it as a, as a place to swindle people and to take their money. And, and, and Jesus looks at the people and says, is this really what the temple's all about? I thought it was supposed to be a place for prayer for all peoples, for all nations. That's why the temple is so important. And when the Jewish returnees focused their priorities on the priorities of the Lord and not on their own, they were energized and encouraged to build. Friends, I believe this is a truth that's important for us to consider as well. So when we return, I'll be sharing with you how the Lord energizes and encourages us when we place his priorities above ours. So stick around. Do you find it hard to relate to the people in times of the Minor Prophets, books like Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Haggai? These were prophecies written thousands of years ago, but the truth is the spiritual issues surrounding their circumstances are similar to what you may be facing today. In the book, When Prophets Speak of Judgment, see how the messages of Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Haggai are warnings that challenge us to see life from God's point of view. This book is an encouragement to redeem the time as we move ever closer to the last days. To order your copy of When Prophets Speak of Judgment, visit us at foiradio.org. 
That's foiradio.org. We'll have a link on our homepage, or you can call us at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Welcome back, everyone. We've been reading through Haggai chapter 1 together, and next week we'll be looking at chapter 2. But as I was reading through Haggai chapter 1, I, I couldn't help but notice the truth of Haggai's message, I think, that's applicable for us today. And that's the prophetic message of what are your priorities? And I'll be honest, reading through Haggai chapter 1 was a challenge for me. God was challenging the Jewish returnees to prioritize him over their own comforts of life. Even in, the, even in poverty, the returnees found a way to improve their own homes over God's home. Did you, do you see that? How God is saying, yeah, if you've been with us in the earlier segment, God's saying, why are you working on your own home, making your own home fancy when my home, God's home, the temple, is sitting in ruins? But let me say this. I don't think God is saying you should never update your kitchen or your bathroom or your home. The real issue is this. You must first make sure God's priorities are always set above your own desires. And here's the reason why. Investing in material things that we think will bring us satisfaction in reality will only leave us empty and wanting more. Remember, God said to the returnees, you drink and yet you're thirsty, you eat and you're not filled, you earn money and there's a hole in your money bag. My friends, If you think adding nice, exorbitant panels on your home will make you feel satisfied, you're wrong. If you think getting that bigger television is going to finally fulfill you, or, or getting that job will quench that thirst, you're wrong. It will always leave you empty. And the Lord doesn't want us to be hollowed out and empty. He wants us to be energized and encouraged, as Haggai said earlier in chapter 1. When we're, when we're placing God's priorities above ours, it suppresses our selfish motives in order to serve others. You know, Haggai said earlier, you have planted much, but you have harvested little. Friends, we are all working in life to plant something in the ground. We're all striving to make something of ourselves in the short time that we have here on earth. But as Haggai reminds us, the only seeds that matter in the end are those that grow, produce fruit, and then are harvested. Friends, what are you planting? Are you planting spiritual seeds in the lives of others with the hope for the great harvest to come? Or are you planting seeds in all the junk of the world? God reminds us through Haggai that planting apart from God's priorities leads to hopelessness. But investing in God's priorities first leads to a Christian life that's energized to serve him and encouraged to do more for the harvest. I want to encourage you to take some time this week to, to, to take an inventory on your priorities. When was the last time you opened up God's word? When was the last time you called out to the Lord in prayer? When was the last time you shared the Lord with somebody, the good news of his gospel? Now's a great time to return to him. You know, Haggai was, was, was calling out to those returnees to bring them back, to refocus them. What a great time right now, this week, to refocus on God as he's calling you back 
Now's a great time to be energized and encouraged by our great God. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Some days things happen that you never expect. Recently, my wife sent me to the supermarket with a list of things to buy. As I was looking for what she wanted, something happened that I never could have planned. A few months ago, I had a long conversation with an ultra-Orthodox man about faith in Christ. Who should be in the store but that very man? He began pointing at me and shouting, Beware of this man. He's very dangerous. I have lived here a long time, and almost everyone knows me. I have helped many with home repairs and other tasks. They know me as a friend who would never harm anyone, so they thought this man was crazy. If you are so strong in your faith, I said, tell these people who you worship. You trust in teachers rather than in God. For half an hour we discussed faith with everyone listening. He declared, you try to persuade people to leave the pure faith of Judaism. You want to make them Christians. I gave him much time to speak. He does not understand that he is the one who is not practicing the pure faith of Judaism. And after a while, people began asking me what I thought. First, I said, in whom should we place our trust? In the Lord or in men? I put my trust in the Lord. I don't approach people with fictional books written by those who call themselves holy. I use one book, the Bible. There it is written in Deuteronomy 6.13, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. The ultra-Orthodox man became even more agitated and screamed in a high-pitched voice, He tried to make me a Christian! So I showed them my Bible, told them, Please, read this and see if what I'm saying is against the Jewish law. Several people examined my Bible from beginning to end. This is the true Bible, one declared. Please, I continued, take this book. It contains the important words of the Lord. We must follow these words, not the many laws the rabbis have written. We are not to worship men who have long beards and wear black clothing and try to tell us what to believe. People had stopped shopping and were listening carefully. I always try to explain to people they must read the Bible only. Unfortunately, many Jewish people have become so unsure of their own ability to understand God's word that they go to a rabbi and ask his interpretation. Many people ask me how I came to know all this. I told them, I read my Bible and worship God according to his word. Is this against the law? We agree with you, they all said. The ultra-Orthodox man was very disappointed. But I was happy that God had brought so many people to me. Even though I had not planned anything, 
I had a good opportunity to speak about true faith in the God of Israel, according to the Bible. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Friends of Israel Today remains on the air thanks to the faithful giving of listeners just like you. If you would like to donate, visit fyradio.org. You know, I think it's really important and, and, and valuable to give to the Friends of Israel today. If you think Israel is important, if you think supporting the Jewish people is important, and this needs to be communicated to the Christian community, then I really want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org to support the Friends of Israel today. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeon, co-written by Sarah Fern. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.